0: This is Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 586, and the quote of the day is, Fear and self-doubt have always been the greatest enemies of human potential. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Rafini here, episode five hundred and eighty-six of the Drummers Resource Pod. We're getting close to six hundred. We're getting close to six hundred, and I'm curious what I should do. What do you think we should do for the six hundredth episode? I want—I'd love to have some sort of like party or hang or something, but that's out the window. So, any suggestions? Maybe we'll do like a big Zoom call where we all get on and chat, and I'll invite some guests. That might be a cool idea. I don't know. Let me know. What What do you guys think that I should do? What What do you think would be cool for a 600th episode? I want to do something. Uh, 600 episodes is no small feat. So let me know what you think, and we'll take it into consideration because, like I said, can't have a party. So anyway, let's get to this conversation with my man, Victor Andrizzo, and I have long admired Victor for his playing, his resume, what he was able to do in terms of touring end session work because a lot of times you're either one or the other and he's been able to do it both and do it with a slew of a-list artists we're talking about Scott Weiland and Chris Cornell and Queens of the Stone Age and Beck and Macy Gray and Lizzo and Willie Nelson and Avril Levine and Alanis Morissette and Tegan and Sarah I mean the guy's resume is miles long And it's been amazing. In this conversation, we talk about how he built his career, but also the self-doubt and the fear of failure that we all deal with as artists or as humans in general, and how he went ahead and just faced those fears and was able to build this career that he has over the past 30 plus years. So an amazing conversation filled with nuggets, of course, and I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get into it with the one and only Mr. Victor Indrizzo. Victor, how are you my man?
1: I'm doing pretty good. How about you Nick?
0: I'm good. welcome to the the pest control podcast. <laughs> um, we <laughs> See no one knows what we're talking about because we no. we're talking about it off air but uh, no. he seems to have a uh, something going on. What's going on in your house you're in the, you have a little spot up by uh, Lake Arrowhead. And-
1: yeah, I think the something has died. Something has passed away under our house, and so I, I've got to figure that out today. <laughs> Just hoping it's a rodent or something, and yeah, not a not a person. Or
0: yikes! See, drummers are real people too, though we have we have real <laughs> things that we have to do,
1: real, real jobs
0: problems. or real uh, chores and things. Yeah. Uh, so I know that. So you live in in LA now, and but you're originally from the East Coast, and it's always interesting to me looking at someone's resume and someone, especially like you, who has all of these different styles and, and, you know, different genres of music and different artists that you've worked with. And it's like, okay, this, this stuff is all over the map. So where did, where did sort of either your love or your understanding of all these different styles of music come, come from? Was it, was it growing up? Was it your childhood? Talk to me a little bit about that, about sort of what your what your household was like, or what you were listening to when you were growing up
1: yeah it's it's really from my mom she was uh definitely like a a hippie and really had this crazy wide variety of music that she played constantly uh really everything from soul music to uh sly and the family stone classical music and then i even remember her uh like in 75 or 76 like we saw we were at home and we were watching TV and we saw a commercial for Aerosmith Rocks record and she's she bought that. Like she was excited about music of every style. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, and then would listen to like, you know, uh James Taylor or the singer-songwriters. I, I just loved like the the late sixties and early seventies. And I you know, I was born in sixty-seven. And so, I don't know, coming of age, like through the 70s and the 80s, there was just such a wide variety of music. And and even on the radio, that's the thing I kind of miss, uh, is that it seemed like on the radio at the time, you could hear Stevie Wonder, you could hear Aerosmith, you could hear Boy. all these all these genres just kind of just mixed together. And, and yeah, so it was really from that and just uh, a love of music and a love of drums at a, a really early age really i and i'm not sure why i just like i well i think to a degree my house my mom was a single parent and i i had a series of stepdads and it was it was not the best environment to grow it up in uh it was a lot of uh alcoholism and abuse and music was my escape mm. music, music was my drug and that was yeah just anything i could get my hands on and I, even as a little kid i think about it now like going to record stores and spending an hour or hours in there, like just staring at records. Like a lot of times I wouldn't even have money to buy stuff or I'd save up and buy a 45, Mm -hmm. but, but I would spend hours just reading the liner notes and I like was barely, you know, tall enough to even get to the bins. It was just something (laughs) about that. And we, we moved to California when I was 10 and, uh, I tell a story like i was so excited to come here because most of the records i was reading the credits a lot of them were done in los angeles right right even the first thing i did was uh i got i looked in the yellow pages and i looked up Capitol records and i called and the receptionist answered i asked her i said how much is it to make an album and she (laughs) could tell i was a kid and she was kind of laughing she's like she goes it's a lot of money honey right Uh, well well, then how much to make a 45 (laughs) (laughs) i just was so enamored with all of it and uh yeah and even still it's funny i was in hollywood maybe a day or two ago and and just i could see the capitol building and Uh i don't know just something special it's like i I just always dreamt of that
0: every time i drive by that building it just I, I feel the same way you do, where it just – it has like this sense of nostalgia. And it, it just reminds me – not that I was alive then, but it just reminds me of like the golden era of music and, yeah. and, and Hollywood and and just the, the amazingness that is California and Hollywood, California. Yeah. And I think – and I don't know if, if you were the same way, but my – I was never – the glitz and the glamour or like the fame and all that side of the, the things never really interested me. But the other side did of just like how the records got made or the behind wow. the scenes or just like the the machine and all of that. That was always really interesting to me.
1: Yeah. And it, it's, it's still not lost on me. The, the one thing that has remained intact for me is that anytime I get to go to one of these studios, I can feel the history and I'm so mm-hmm. hyper aware of it. And uh, yeah, I just, I always feel super excited to be to be wow. in a studio.
0: What made you pick up drums in the first place? I, I don't know. I don't
1: know. I'm not sure. It's just like...
0: Just gravitated towards them?
1: Yeah. It just, that's all I could think about. And, yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, the earliest memory I have was like listening to Sgt. Pepper mm-hmm. and just how musical... Ringo was on that record i don't know it just spoke to me and everything like when i would hear a stevie wonder record or all the stuff that james gatson did i don't know it just made me so excited and it was always the groove right yeah Yeah. Uh, and yeah because i remember hearing like ain't no sunshine and that groove hearing that like as a little kid I, it just made me so excited like i i don't know it moved me it yeah s- Yep. still does
0: <laughs> me too yeah me too when i look at people that have a resume like yours um <clears throat> one thing that i always find in common is that one you listen to a lot of different styles of music but two you listen to a lot of recorded music and really studied the the music you were either studying the liner notes or you were studying you know how the snare drum sounded or what how the guitar sounded or something like that how much of that were you doing as a kid were you playing along with records? Were you studying sort of the ins and outs of everything and going deep on all of this stuff?
1: Yeah, it was really about playing to records for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we couldn't afford to have lessons. I, I did. I had band in junior high, which I really loved. I had a great teacher. Uh, but it was about, and it's funny because even when I think about it now, I would play along to records, but it wasn't so much about copying exactly what, anybody was doing on a record but playing along to it and for whatever reason i just like it was about the song Mm -hmm. and how i could listen to the song and and i yeah i just loved playing that that was that was it really
0: feeling like you're part of part of the song like you're you're uh almost like you're playing with the people who are who are playing on the records
1: yeah and it's funny even now i think about it like i have I have three teenagers in my house, so I I am aware of what's going on musically currently, mm. but but I don't I don't pay too much attention to it. In the fact, like I let it be in my subconscious, so I can hear what rhythms and what things are going on. But I also don't want to copy anything too much, you know. Right. Like I right. want to react to things and like yeah, have your own voice of like what your own version of whatever that
0: is, right. You know? Right, I think that's such a hard, a hard thing to uh, to wrap your brain around or to get a handle on. I mean, that's the thing that we all strive for, right? Developing yeah. our own voice, sounding like ourselves. Yeah. Uh, what, what's
1: What's interesting about this time, and I and I wonder how this will affect things. Is when I was a kid, there you couldn't go on YouTube to watch somebody do something. Mm-hmm. Mostly, you just heard it, right? And so you played it, and you would play your interpretation of that. Now you can go online and you could see exactly what somebody's doing. You can look up the sticking, you can look up all these things, which is amazing. And then you're copying it. But in that, you might miss that happy accident of your interpretation of that. And right. you might unlock something that's completely different, it might be totally wrong from what they were doing, but you find your voice and develop that. Uh-huh. And I mean i i do love that i do love being able to see that so i i don't know i'm just curious how that ultimately will play out for other generations you
0: know Uh, well that's the i'm always curious about that is because like you said now if you want to be and and i'm not saying it's 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 good or bad but now if you want to be you can you can be you can sound exactly like someone else like i could spend all my time learning every single thing that steve gad did get the right drums sticking and everything and sort of be, you know, a clone of Steve Gadd. And my fear is, and I'd love to hear your, your opinion on this. My fear is that we are going to get a lot of people that just start sounding a lot like everyone else versus a bunch of people who were interpreting something and making it their own. And then you have all these individual players who are out there.
1: Yeah. Well, I think ultimately, even if you try to copy somebody and you have the same thing and, uh, You'll, you'll still sound like yourself, I suppose, to a degree. And, and yeah. that, you know, it's funny. We always say I had a studio in Hollywood where a lot of guys would come and record and we had the same drums, tuned the same way, same stuff. But each guy that would sit down and play it still sounded like them. Right, it doesn't matter. Like you will always, hopefully, inherently have something about you and your personality and your approach and how you do things that will will be your voice. Mm-hmm. But but I, I yeah, I think that's super important. Is finding your version of things. You know,
0: do you do you have whether it be exercises or do, or advice or or conceptual ideas of how to start going down that road and how to start developing your voice.
1: Yeah, I, I think it all depends on what your path is, right? And there are many paths in drumming, right? You could, uh, you, you know, nowadays, you could be a guy on Instagram. You can like, you know, and people want to, you could teach on there. You could just, you could be a chops guy. You could be a guy that just learns other people's material and you go and tour. Uh, or if you want to be a recording drummer, then for me, I think it's about One, of clearly you need to have the basics to play to a click track, hit consistently, basic stuff. But beyond that, you need to have a sense of song. And I believe that comes from uh, being able to internalize music and using your heart. It really has to be about the motion because I think the most beautiful thing about music and why I put a record on is because I want to feel something. Mm -hmm. right and that's why music spoke to me so much It could express these things i could never express with words Mm -hmm. and so when i when you're in the studio and somebody has a song you need to like figure out what that emotion is and so it's there's an emotional maturity i think that has to occur sure, to be able to express an emotion more than like being able to play something fancy um but, yeah, I think, yeah, it, it comes down to, like, playing from your heart. And then uh-huh. just having a sense of, like, communicating. I think uh, in society right now, we have this thing where it's it's kind of one-sided. We look at our phones, we look at Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is, and you, it's not a communication anymore. The beautiful thing about music is uh, people reacting Mm -hmm. And if you are in the studio thinking about what you're going to do the whole time, you're not communicating. If I'm having a conversation with you and I'm spending the whole time not listening to what you're saying, but what the next thing I'm going to say is, we're not communicating. Right. right? So I think that's the most important thing to develop is that musical communication that Mm -hmm. you could come to me, you're going to play me something and I go, okay, what's the emotion of this? And now I'm going to be able to express that more importantly about like what cool fill I'm going to do or.
0: Yeah. It, it reminds me, you were talking about, uh, if you're, if you're just thinking about what you're playing, it reminds me of, a, of, I forget who said it, but someone along the lines of most people just listen to respond and don't listen yeah. to listen. Yeah. And I think that's an, there's an, an important distinction there. Uh, you would you also mentioned when you put on a record, it's because you want, you want to feel something or the reason why you listen to music or the reason why we play music right is because we we want someone to feel something or we want people to to feel something the interesting dichotomy that i always see is myself included you we listen to a record like a james Gadson record or, or you know bill withers record or something with james Gadson on it and we all have this just visceral reaction where, where we're just we're, we're feeling it and we're bobbing our head and we're talking about how amazing it makes us feel And then we sit behind the drums and play something that's not musical and fast and all this, and all this stuff. Why do we do that as drummers? Why do we, we hear the thing and we know how amazing it's, how amazing a a good groove can feel and sound. And then we get behind the kit and we play stuff that wants to stroke our ego.
1: It's you just said it it's ego, right? Because we forget that thing. And I think that's a hard thing. Uh, is breaking it down to just like feeling and communicating and getting across that emotion. And sometimes you sit down and that is the emotion and you want, ah, I got to get this out. Uh But, uh, yeah, it's just that, that thing of really, I think that's why you have to get inside the song and the song will dictate what's
0: supposed to be done. Right. Can we unpack that a little bit about about letting the song dictate what you play? Yeah.
1: The greatest drummers, like the greatest examples of that are Steve Gadd or Jeff Piccaro or James Gatson, where we know they're all capable of these amazing things, uh, these acrobatics. But yet when it comes time to play a song, they just play the song like, you know, uh if you listen to all the gad stuff, it's great. You know, he can play, you make me feel like dancing, right. To, uh, to whatever. There's so many different things in his, his wheelhouse where he might play one little lick that you go, Oh my God. Like, but he's really playing the song. It's like, yeah, Chuck, he's in love or something just really just, just beautiful. And I think that's, I think the hard part of that job comes from when you hear a song and it maybe it's not necessarily something you like, right? And you still have to find the heart of that song. And I, I think of this thing. I read a book about Ray Charles, and he said, there's beauty in all music. He's like, sometimes you just have to look a little harder to find it. Yeah. Like, that's the trick. Some songs, it's very it's easy to find the emotion in it. It's very clear. And then other things you might play on, like, I don't really get this. And so I better quickly put myself in this, you know, the shoes of like, uh, you know, I don't know. An example for me is like uh, the Avril Lavigne record that I played on. It's like, you know, it wouldn't have been something necessarily that I would have listened to, but I was like, man, I got to find, I got to be a 16-year-old girl right now. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I got to right. walk in those shoes, and this is important to her, so it has to be important to me.
0: Right. How do you channel that?
1: I just look at the person or I listen to what the song's about, and I think that, that again, it becomes that, you know, you have to have some emotional intelligence or, like, awareness to put mm-hmm. yourself in somebody's shoes or remember what it's like to be a teenager. Right. And, and then like get into that kind of thing what is a teenager gonna do like uh what is that feeling and then channel that and i don't know if that's too abstract but it's like i think i really think that drums more than anything especially once you have your basic things down becomes about being like being into in touch with your emotions and being able to translate that Mm -hmm. because i think i think that's the thing on the at least the music that moves me it makes me feel something there's Mm -hmm. such a mood there's such a tone set uh that it, it man that's what it's all about
0: yeah so i've had obviously i've had you know conversations on this podcast about this and specifically about playing what's right for the song uh letting the song dictate what you play sort of reading the room reading the situation reading the scenario and every single person that I've asked um, has has had sort of a hard—I don't want to say a hard time putting it into words—but it's a—it's—it's it's such an intangible thing. It's sort of like asking someone, "How do you be charismatic?" Right? Yeah. And you say, yeah. "I don't know. It's just—it's just naturally the the way that I feel things." And I think that's what makes. Great drummers, great. I think that's what makes you you and a Steve Jordan, a Steve Jordan, and a Steve Gad, a Steve Gad, is that you have this maybe this other level of of EQ or 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 um, you know ability to read the room or ability to read the situation, like you were saying before. Um, uh, you know awareness of of what's going on. Um, I think that, I think that's the differentiator. Maybe sad for some of us because maybe some of us have it and some of us don't.
1: Yeah. And I think you have to be able to look all those drummers, like, you know, Steve Jordan, Steve Gadd. Again, like they're capable of so much and they're so exciting to watch. And they know in that moment, like, you know, but they are able to put themselves mu- – the The music comes first, right? Mm-hmm. And no matter if if a guy has a huge ego, he can check that ego. And in that moment, it has to be about being on a team, right? And especially if you're in the studio or you, even if you're recording drums by yourself to a song that's already there, you're still on a team and you're still there to serve a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And I've always looked at it like that, like it's a service job.
0: Yeah, it yeah. It really is. And I wonder if leading with constantly leading with that if you don't feel like you play that way now, constantly trying to remind yourself, I'm in the service business. Uh, yeah. I am you know, let me get rid of am I playing this for my ego or am I playing this for the music? Yeah, that kind of thing. And maybe that can slowly mold you into a player that is,
1: yeah, and th- there are practical things that I have developed developed along the way, like for recording for me. I don't have the drums loud in my headphones at all like they're they're barely audible and and that's on purpose because I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to think about what I'm doing if I'm thi- I'm the kind of player if I'm thinking about it I'm screwed it right. like it has to be purely from the heart mm-hmm. uh, and in some scenarios that's hard on, on a movie date that's hard because there you're reading and you're playing what's written or something close to it and and then you know that that takes some of the emotion out for me uh but on a normal day like uh where it's a song and i am my drums are really low i'm trying to listen to what's going on and 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 have an emotion about it you know Mm -hmm. and 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 try to feel it yeah and bring all of those things. If it's a sad song, I can get it in into that character. If it's an aggressive song, you can be like all of it. It's like getting into a character and figuring what that is. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make my drums reflect this emotion, right? And that, that will affect how I'm gonna treat the drum. You know, is the snare wide open? Is the snare dead and low? It's like, what's the emotion? Like, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. What What was your path for getting into getting into both recording and touring uh, you're in you're in l a so you're you're in a good area to be in obviously yeah. um, but what was the path for you and do you think it's something that that others can replicate or at least try to replicate
1: it's fun. I get asked this a lot right and for me, I certainly did not think especially in the beginning that I would ever be good enough to be a studio guy uh because yeah, I didn't, I wasn't a, I didn't, I'm not a studied guy. And initially I thought, well, I'll just be in a band, you know? Mm -hmm. Was that a
0: confidence thing or like, cause I, cause I always think it's it's so interesting. A lot of times Mm -hmm. the the person who stands in our way the most is ourselves.
1: A hundred percent, 100%. And I, I am that guy, like for sure. I've never, uh, uh, I, I've definitely lacked confidence, but there was something, even in times I lacked confidence, I wanted it so bad that I still could just get out of my head for that minute and just pour my heart into it, and I think right. that that kind of saved my ass.: mm-hmm. uh, The action: get. Yeah, the, the way, love go, go ahead. The love of it was greater than my own self-hatred or whatever that is, uh, that it like it outshined that and Mm -hmm. and luckily the older i get the more i see my value and my place and all of this stuff but yeah initially it was i would be i was going to be in a band and we'll tour and we'll be whatever you know and a series of bands and mishaps and that didn't work out but along the way i had to record and also luckily being in los angeles and at the time i was i was here like uh yeah, there were a lot of recording people doing demos. And the more I heard myself recorded and read articles, uh, you know, about Steve Gadd or Jeff Picaro or Keltner and all these guys talking about recording and playing to a click, playing, playing behind a click and all, all these things. Uh, slowly but surely through playing on all these demos and then the course of like, you know, I don't know, like in the 90s there was a lot of these kind of punk rock bands pop punk bands that were getting signed and a lot of the drummers couldn't play to a click track but i could so i was getting the call to do that and then that turns you know you meet an engineer you work with a guy he recommends you for something so on it was very very slow uh and then sometime i guess in 1999 i got the gig with beck Mm-hmm. And that that really then like be, I was on a session. I met some of those guys and they invited me to audition. I got the gig, but from being in that, then all of a sudden uh, I started getting a lot of calls to do a lot more sessions Yeah, uh, since they were, you know, he was kind of known as having, you know, young, good players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it just kind of, it was, it, there was no choice. There was no like, Oh, I'm going to be a session guy. I'm going to do this. The thing was is that, I, and I, I think of this now especially, it's the ability to pivot because I had one idea in my mind of how I wanted things to be, and that didn't work out. But I loved music so much and, and drums so much that I wasn't going to quit there when one thing fell apart, Right, you know. I was right. like, man, I got to do this. I don't know how this ends up looking, but I need to go to the next thing. And so at each turn, I just kind of went where it led me. And yeah. I was open to that. And I'm still open to it, you know? And and th- in this time now, it's been about learning how to engineer and record myself and do all these things. And I have a pretty high bar of how I want things to sound or the, how they have to sound, really. Right. Uh, and so learning that and... You know, whatever life throws at you, being able to make this turn or that turn and like, you know, just have that. It's always the love of music that keeps driving me no matter where it's going to take me. And I don't know what that looks like. Right. And and that ability, right, to be open and to not be uh you know have what's in the future like uh have such weight for me that like if that doesn't work out that it's over you know yeah anyway.
0: i think that's a that's an important that's an important particularly now because of what we're going through especially because yeah. i think a lot of things are changing um yeah. and it turns out for you you ended up touring as well too so you ended up because before you were saying oh i wanted to be a touring musician but it but it wasn't really working out and yeah at the end I, of the day you actually ended up touring anyway
1: I I really have had a dream career because, you know, it's, 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 it's rare that you get to do both, Uh right? You're either kind of one or the other. And somehow I've been able to like, you know, have years where I would tour and then years where I would do sessions and then, and and be able to leave and like still have a place in line. Like generally the rule of thumb was if you are a recording guy and you leave town, you lose your, your place. Right. uh, Yeah. But yeah, I would say now more than ever, that's really not the case because Mm -hmm. you know, the session world, while it's still going, it's not what it was, you know, right. It's changed a lot.
0: Right. Are you doing more, uh, drum room home recording? kind of stuff and sending out sending out tracks?
1: A lot of that. Uh, you know, and for years up until this year, I had a, a great studio that I shared with uh Sean Hurley who was a great bass player and Chris Stefan who was an engineer. So I had the luxury of, you know, even if people wanted to send me files, we were in this amazing uh classic studio. We had an awesome. API, API console and like you were going to get great stuff. And and now I've built my you know studio in my garage right. and, and dealing with that. And then luckily I have the resource of like knowing a bunch of great engineers uh, who one, I had a buddy come over and help me set things up and make sure everything was in phase. And then I even sent stuff out to a bunch of my engineer friends and like, Hey, what can I do better? How do I get this sound? Because they know what, sounds i'd like to go for and they mm-hmm. and now it's really it's empowering to be able to do that on my own yeah and and to run a session and know how to do all the stuff and it's really i i'm i was super scared about it and as a matter of fact at first i was afraid to like switch drums out i was like oh my god i'm going to lose the sound sounds so good i don't <laughs> yeah. want to like i don't want like to yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and now i've gotten uh, a lot more brave and and going and there's something cool about that, you know, and I, I actually kind of feel sorry for engineers, it, when this goes back to normal, they're gonna have a bunch of drummers like, you know, second guessing, their, right, or uh, miking decisions, or, you know, sounds. And- how,
0: how do you how is, how has it affected you? Or how do you think it affects music as a whole, uh, from a collaborative perspective, when everyone's sort of off in their own little offshoots, recording the things and snapping it to a grid and sending it around the around the way?
1: Yeah. It depends. It it depends. You know, I did go, I went to Nashville last week and got Mm -hmm. to play in a room with guys. And there's something so beautiful about that, that it just can't, there's nothing like that because you get to, everybody gets to react, right. Mm -hmm. You get to play off of each other. Uh, but that being said, there is a place for, you know, drums going last and everything and people are going to do what they do with it anyways. Uh, uh, yeah, there's there's things there's good good and bad to both,
0: right? Right. Why do you think we've both. gone to a system where everyone is recording separately versus together in a room? Is I it's cheaper. It's more, it's more efficient.
1: It's definitely cheaper, you yeah. know, uh, and in some way, yeah, it's cheaper. It can be quicker. You know, instead of sitting with a room full of people trying to figure out how it's going to be, there's a guy on a laptop or whatever, people do it separately. And then by the time it comes to me, it's like, oh, this is, I know exactly what to do because all the space is taken. Right. There's only so much room to do whatever. And there are times I really like that, you know, Uh depending on what the the song is. If it's a a pop thing, that's great. I know exactly where I fit in and I can slot in and I'm going to know right away if it's working or not. Right. and then other other times depending on the music there's something that you can yeah that reacting to a room full of people playing off each other and somebody s- sparks you or fires you up and you or somebody plays something so beautiful you're just listening to that i don't i don't know why i mean now right now it's a lot of necessity mm-hmm. but you know I, I it is what it is and with the times the thing that i've tried to do too is like adapt and pivot. And so even in the last five, six years where there, there was this in- interesting progression, like in the 2000s, where you had a lot of the pop songs would be programming through the verse. And then all of a sudden the real guy comes in on the chorus, right? Right. And, then, and, and that, and, and now it's not really like that. Now everything really sounds so programmed. And so I've kind of been into getting sounds like that. And I like the the challenge of making a real drum set sound like it's programmed, or or getting weirder and different sounds. Like, right? I, I like that. I like getting edgy with what what that is. And you know, growing up, I had the shittiest drums. Or like, whenever I got <laughs> stuff, it was the worst. <laughs> but it ended up being like kind of the best thing, and like helped me today because like figuring out how to treat a drum or like you know if i put this on it if i put notebook paper on it if i if i you know whatever a broken symbol or symbols on top of each other which are so popular now like right Right. like uh using different kinds of heads for the bass drum i'll use like a goat kick or like just finding things that sound unique Mm -hmm. uh, and and getting different kinds
0: i really i really enjoy that actually It's one thing to talk about how great Dream Symbols are, but it's another thing to actually hear them for yourselves. And the good thing about Dream is not only do they sound great, but they're also priced well below the competitor's prices, so that way you can actually afford to buy these Symbols. And if you don't think you can get a great sounding Symbol at a low price, check out DreamSymbols.com. But first, I want you to take a listen to what these things sound like. To learn more about Dream Symbols, be sure to check them out at DreamSymbols.com. The interesting thing about all of being in the studio, so I've been in the studio a lot just recording records, um, but with a band, you know, with my band or whatever. And uh, I understand the recording process, but all of the other stuff, like as a drummer trying to figure out the engineering aspect of it or phasing and microphone placement and all of these other things, to me, to me, I'm like, I'm so overwhelmed by it. I don't even know where to start right? I yeah. really don't. Uh, like if you wanted me to record tracks for a tune, it would, it would be a bad situation for me because I would have, yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to start. Uh, where do you suggest that if people want to do that, where do they, where do they start? Where do they start to like try to figure the, some of this stuff out?
1: It, it's, it's amazing. Cause I know that feeling that, and I remember at the beginning of the pandemic and, you know, knowing that I was going to have to do stuff from home and we, we lost our studio, I was super overwhelmed. I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? It's just so much. And in my life, and I tell my kids this too it's like, whenever you feel overwhelmed by this big pile of, let's say, rocks, (laughs) right? Take one rock at a time. And so, what I did is I would look up one thing at a time, you know, Mm -hmm. is that phasing. Let's say you brought that up. It's like, this is the beautiful thing about YouTube. And there will be some (laughs) third. Thirteen-year-old in Sweden. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> here's how you know you do this. And like, yes, you have to forward through the videos. Like, uh, but you can find things out. And what I try to do is tackle one thing at a time, mm-hmm. or have people and ask questions. But yes, when you look at the whole thing, it seems overwhelming. Right. And so my thing was, I'll take this one thing at a time. Spend one day trying to figure this out. You know, one very specific thing at a time. Yeah, I think uh, and,
0: that's
1: good advice. Yeah, because all together, it's just too much, right? And totally. then slowly but surely, the next thing you know, you're like, wow, I'm doing this, and this is working out. And like drums or music, there's always more to learn. Mm-hmm. There's always yeah. more to learn. Uh, and and I love that. I love that. And But anytime I feel overwhelmed still with any of it, it's let's pick one thing today. Right, and I can try and look up and focus on it. Maybe that one thing will take me a week to grasp. Maybe it'll take me a month to grasp. You know, mm-hmm. and maybe I'm too overwhelmed listening to this one thing. Okay, let's pick another thing. Uh, how do I mic a snare drum? You know, and, right? And that and and luckily, like I I also have had the the luxury of being around and working with a lot of great engineers and like like musicians they all have their own way of doing things right? right and and that thing it's like it's trial and error and i think the thing is to not be
0: afraid to screw it up mm-hmm. you know that's that's the key the, the fear of failure i think cripples so many people
1: yeah so that that's one of my favorite words is is courage and courage doesn't mean that you you can do anything it means that you do something even though you're afraid to do it
0: i love that I yeah. just read a book I, I I literally read a book this week that was talking about the same exact thing about yeah. about doing something even though you're scared to do it that's courage yeah. I love that.
1: Yeah, and I would say that's been, you know, if that sums up my career. I've been afraid to do all of it, you know, but yeah. showing up and doing it because I loved it so much, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like reading you know i didn't really i wasn't a reader and uh, at some point i started getting calls because i had done a movie with a friend that was popular and then composers started calling me and i had to learn and so what i did is like you know i had them send me the charts and i reached out to some friends that i had that did read and they like walked me through stuff and i remembered some things from like junior high basic Mm -hmm. things but that thing of like not Not letting, not letting like, uh, my fear and letting my head will always tell me I can't do it. Right. Right. But just going, you know what? I'm going to try the human condition, isn't it? (laughs) It it really is. And that's what we all fight is that fear and, and yeah, doing something, even though you're afraid to do it, Mm -hmm. you know? And sometimes that means falling on your face, you know? Yeah. And that's okay. Like you just keep trying, you know?
0: Yeah. From and from what you're saying, I, I remember the I remember the quote that it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than think your way into a new way of acting, right? And right. to you, to me, that sounds like what you've done. You've always said, okay, I'm afraid of this thing. My brain is telling me I can't do it. I'm going to act, and I'm going to I'll just prove to myself that I can. I know I'm scared shitless to do this. I'm probably going to fail. I'm probably not good enough to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway, and it ends up working out, and then you prove yourself wrong. Um, yeah. So I would say action is one of the things that you've done. That you've done. Is there anything else? Was there things that you read or was there meditation or was there any sort of, uh, I don't know, anything that you did to to help with your, your mindset, overcoming your fear of failure or building up confidence? Because I think it's so important and it doesn't get talked about enough. I think people yeah. glaze over that.
1: Yeah, I, I'm a recovery guy. Uh, so... On Halloween this year, I'll have twenty-three years in recovery.
0: That's amazing. Uh,
1: Congratulations. Yeah. So in the nineties, I was hanging out with the likes of like Scott Weiland and and that that crowd and like right. up to no good. And and I right. had gotten divorced and was super depressed and dealing with stuff from my childhood and and then drugs became my escape. Mm-hmm. And when I got clean, I just I learned you know i had to face all these things and the same thing i had to take one thing at a time because looking at the whole thing seemed too overwhelming sure and so i've been able to apply that and what i've learned there into all of it like you know even just showing up early you know mm-hmm. i drummers to a session you have to be early anyways but showing up and and like just trying to have a good attitude and like getting out of the way of my own head yeah you know trying not to listen to myself because for whatever reason i have that kind of mind that tells me i can't do something mm-hmm. and i have to just block that out and again i have to just get into what the feeling is and even being able to use when i'm afraid right right, right. Uh, and that happens all the time. There's even, you know, as long as I've been doing this, even touring, like I get super nervous to go play and go out in crowd. Even on a tour where you're doing it night after night after night, I still have that thing. But I've learned how to use that kind of anxiety or whatever and express it and like, just let it come out. I, Yeah.
0: I, mm. I, 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 as I mentioned, I think that, one, it doesn't get talked about enough too. I think we all suffer, f- suffer from it. I have like the polar, I have polar opposites pulling at the same time for me. I'm sort of the guy who like thinks I can do anything, but thinks mm. that anything that I try to do, I'm going to fail. Right. And right. literally like at the same time pulling at each other, which is a really, which is a really, uh, crazy way to live life but but i there's so many people that i talk to that either send me messages or send me emails that listen to the podcast and they say oh thanks for saying that thing on the podcast because you know i was doubtful that i could do this or i didn't think that that uh i was good enough to do this thing or whatever and it's like it's all it's all bullshit that we're just making up in our head
1: yeah. It's, yeah. that's something, you know, a lot of people wrestle with. And I'm always enamored because I've met people that that's not the case. I've asked other drummers, some of my peers, I'm like, man, you ever get a, are you afraid or like scared? I remember asking Kurt Pascara and he's like, Nope. <laughs> I could see. Nope. <laughs> he's like, no, nope, I, I, you know, I know I'm there to do. And like, and I was like, man, I, I wish I could be like that. Uh I truly envy that. But in the absence of that, I have to figure out how to shut my head off. And again, it comes down to that thing of getting outside of myself. Because if I'm thinking about my shit and my, I can't do this, blah, 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 me, 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 me. I'm not going to serve anybody. I'm not going to serve the song. I'm not going to play my best. Like, And I think that's the thing to do is when I am in that mindset, and I am in a lot of fear because there's tons of times I'm in the room with these people. I go, oh my guys, I'm in, what am I doing in this room with these, you know, there's legends like,
0: uh, right. Say that again. Think... You, the, the internet kind of froze there. A little oh, bit. sorry.
1: No, yeah. Okay. No, it's just like being in a room sometimes with people. It's like, you know, I, I could think of playing with Lee Scalar. Like, you know, this guy's like hero of mine. Uh, Tim Pierce, Is there any, uh, like Tom Bukovac? these Players that are you know legends, Paul Franklin, like, uh, and I have to like stop focus. Like, what's the song doing? You know, right, right. I can't play to like, hey, notice me, hey, this. It's not right. gonna work. It's or like, I don't belong here, or I don't. Yeah, all of that. Like, how how do you get through that? And for me, it's like then just focusing focusing in on on the music.
0: Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? yeah. You'd mentioned, you know, 20 plus years of recovery. What is your, what's your feedback for when someone says, well, like, you know, drugs and alcohol, that makes me more creative or that gets me to a different place so that I can, so that I can really uh, express my, myself and my craft.
1: Yeah. I, I remember thinking that, and I remember being afraid of that when I first got clean, but the thing that was really was all that was, was a wall I was putting up between me and the music, Right. And when I was able to get rid of that wall, all of a sudden, I was 10 again. Mm -hmm. And it was just a pure, true joy and love of music. And there was nothing no wall in between that. And, and, yeah, I don't know, I could feel more. And I think that's the thing with drugs and alcohol. It's so we don't feel we're trying to numb something out. You're not trying Mm -hmm. to really, you know, Maybe it becomes you, you. You, a lot of people think you put the blinders on and you're really focused, but if you're really in love with something, that's going to happen anyways. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And, and it's going to be pure, mm-hmm. and it's going to be real, and nothing affecting that emotion. Right? right. 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 And I think that's what we we're afraid sometimes mm-hmm. yeah. of feeling, and that to me is the ultimate goal of music. Anyways, is to feel something.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, if not, nah, what's the point, right? What's the point? Yeah. Hey, are you tired of coated drum heads chipping and flaking after only a few hours of play? Tired of premature denting and breakage? Well, welcome to the next generation of coated drum heads. Evans new UV coating technology. They're made with proprietary inks and a new UV light curing process, so these heads are able to withstand strikes, brush strokes, and rim shots better than anything on earth. That means you get to play heads that sound and look fresh for longer. And you can spend less time tuning and modifying and changing heads. They're available in one ply and two ply, as well as Evans proprietary hydraulic and EMAD systems. Check them out by going to evansdrumheads.com. So I've been checking out the new Sonar SQ-1s. And let me tell you, these drums are sick. They're made out of birch. All right. Why, you ask? Because birch has balanced low, mid and high ranges. So they sound really, really good in the recording studio. Plus, they sound great live. Now, this is some really cool stuff. They have a sound stabilizer system and it's actually based on concepts applied in the automotive industry and it's rubber to metal so that you're getting complete isolation from the shell. Not only that, the colors that they come in also resemble high end automobiles. So they're all matte lacquer finishes. These kits are insane. And not only that, they sound amazing. To learn more, about the SQ One series, go to Sonar.com. So it's no secret that not only addiction, depression, suicide—there's been a lot of it. Uh, it's seemingly recently in the last, you know, four or five years. It's really been. It's really been uh, at the forefront of, of everything that's going on. What's your advice for someone out there who is suffering or is uh, you know has either a problem with addiction or is suffering from depression or or things like that because I think that I think it, that's another thing that that needs to be talked about more with musicians and, and friends inside the community uh, that there is support out there and there's there's ways that uh, you can get help
1: Yeah I think I think you have to seek out help. And that, that becomes the hardest thing to do. Uh, for me, that was really hard. And I, I was really lucky that there were some very amazing people that were able to get through to me and help me out. And, yeah, seek out help. and Don't be afraid of it. Uh-huh. And, and no matter how overwhelming that big pile of rocks is, you can deal with it one, one at a time. Yeah, and, and get through it, and and it can be different, and I think that's the hard thing, because also, yeah, I like, I dealt with depression and all of that, uh, and 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 still do really, but for me, it's knowing that things will pass and things can change. Mm-hmm. Things yeah. can change, and and really, music has been the saving grace for me through. That's the thread throughout all of it and and my love of that and like how music can communicate something that we can't say with words yeah and really like the pure joy and the sadness and all of it it's all right there uh but i would say yeah like seek help talk to somebody Mm -hmm. and you know being in recovery is a beautiful wonderful thing for me yeah and the people that that's brought into my life like i wouldn't trade that and really feels even more meaningful to me than even my career. And I really like have that was the thing I dreamt of as a kid. Right. Right. But I I think are more important than music and things that I may have done is really the people in my life that are have come to me through recovery.
0: Wow. That's amazing. That's you should be proud of that, which I'm sure you are, but that is that's an amazing feat for sure. Um I, I wanted to switch gears and ask because I we talked a little bit about um about the different careers that you've had in terms of being a session musician or being a touring musician. How does your approach change going from a a session where you're recording a record to where you're recording a film score to where you're playing on the road? Because to me, although it seems like they're the same thing, they're completely different.
1: They're wildly different. Yeah, you're
0: playing drums, but completely different. Uh, Can you Yeah, I
1: think for touring, there's something, uh, I, I, I love touring, but there's like a different energy in playing, right? I'm gonna probably hit a little harder. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a, a little bit more of an element of like, you're, you're very aware that people are watching you. Right. You know, and, and reacting and depending on the scenario, like sometimes you're on a tour where you have to play the same things night after night uh, and being okay with that or finding a way to make that fresh. Luckily, that has not really been the case for me so much. I have had things like that, but you know, now for the past 13 or so years, I've played with Alanis Morissette, and she's wonderful. It's like you figure out the key things that you need to like hit. There are gonna be things that people will air drum to or something, and you want to hit those things. But other than that, like you're she le- she lets us interpret it each night our own way. And so that's the trick is finding how that is fresh but it's funny if i'm on tour too long i always go man i'm not going to be i feel like i'm not getting better
0: or whereas no, just you're not shedding you're not or anything i don't
1: know it's just a different way of playing and like then you have to manage your adrenaline right mm-hmm. because that's the thing i remember early on like coming out and being so excited and then like second or third song you're like oh my god i'm running out of steam like i gotta <laughs> learn how to like make this last over two hours right do you feel like
0: there's more room for error playing live uh i I don't want to say room for error but like because everything is just passing so quickly and and it's in the moment and
1: that the thing of like yeah you're not going to stop and do another take like it it is what it is and like learning to how if you do make a mistake or something happens to not let that then ruin the whole night right because i've had that moment too yeah it's like some dumb little thing that probably nobody even noticed. And then you're like, it ruins the whole experience for you. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things I've learned through the years is like, ah, th- move on. Let's just keep going here. Like yeah. that's, that was then and it's gone. And
0: and you that, hit it. And probably no one outside of the band noticed it. Or maybe some of the people in the band didn't even notice it.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I had some moment where we were doing something televised, I think in South America, and I was like in my head and aware that they're like, oh, this is going to be the biggest broadcast to the whole country. And, and I did something. I don't remember what happened exactly, but I was, it ruined the night for me. And I went back and watched it the next day. And I couldn't even tell at all. And so I was like, you know what? I, I spent too much time in my head. And and instead of being in the moment of like, man, I'm getting to do this. And there's all these people and this energy is amazing. It's like, enjoy that. Don't be stupid. Don't, don't, don't live in your head, like get outside of yourself. And so I try to do that. Now in the studio, it's different, right? Like uh, how I'm playing, I'm not going to hit as hard. I'm going to like, yeah, it's just a different, that's a different kind of pressure when you're in a room full of people and you know, you've only heard the song once or twice and then you have to go and play it like you've mm-hmm. played it your whole life. That's a whole other kind of pressure Come
0: uh, into the room. We're going to pick apart every single thing that you just played and look at it under yeah. a microscope.
1: Yeah. And you know, you're playing to a click or you're playing to you know, uh program tracks and it's going to be like, you know, there there's where you're looking for perfection. And, and, and depending, like I feel most comfortable in that's that setting because, uh, at this point in time, I feel pretty good about my skill set and I know what my strengths are. And generally, people hiring me know what my strengths and weaknesses are and and that's all good. But then when you're on a movie session, that's a whole other ballgame. Uh, there, I it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're reading and you're trying to play and like, you know, odd bars and all of this stuff. And the pressure there to me is really great. Uh, and I'm in awe of people that are great readers. I'm not the greatest reader. That definitely does not come naturally to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's work. And when I'm playing on a movie score, I always feel like I'm I'm in my head more than I am like on a record. It, there's no head involved at all. I'm not thinking about it. It's it's pure heart.
0: Right. Yeah. So I've never I've never played on a on a uh, soundtrack. It's the stuff that that you're doing more soundscape stuff more tunes or is it a combination of of both
1: it can be a combination of things depends on the movie the kind of movie uh but generally it's a lot of score stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know all the background music you hear and a lot of that has to do more with like you know there's a lot of more odd bars and odd rhythms and you're you're playing something that maybe somebody programmed that's almost humanly impossible to play. (laughs) And so on the spot, you're seeing this chart for the first time. You're like, wait, how do I get my limbs to, Oh God. Okay. I got it. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty, it can be pretty crazy. And sometimes, sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it makes sense and sometimes not.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So I have two questions, two hard questions for you. One, if you had to pick, uh, film scores, records, or touring, only one of them, what would you pick?
1: Only one. I suppose I would, I would pick sessions just because of the fact that the thing I love is every day is completely different and you don't know what you're going to get. You know, last week, even when I was in Nashville, I did uh, two different projects and, you know one was like a very kind of traditional old school country thing and then the next session session was uh like a, a latin rock pop kind of thing right and they were so wildly different i love having the variety of my life mm-hmm. uh, though also i would say if i could tour with Atlantis the rest of my life i would be quite happy
0: doing yeah. that She's amazing. I mean, obviously, the uh, Jagged Little Pill record was like catching lightning in a bottle, you know, and whatever sold 20-some million copies or something ridiculous. Um, But still to this day, like, I I still think she is one of the most underrated artists ever. She's
1: she's an artist. And that, to me, is so rare. You know, she truly makes records and it's not she's not making a record thinking about having a hit she's just thinking about what she's going through at the time mm-hmm. and, and is really open to making art and yeah. that that's a lost art <laughs> yeah for sure
0: yeah. yeah so go listen to some on the i mean she like i just yeah, I think she's underrated. I don't think she gets the the credit. I mean, she has a lot of the accolades, uh, but like, still doesn't get brought up enough in conversations, as far as I'm concerned. I think that yeah. I think that more people need to be talking about her. Um, okay, so the second question is: if maybe this is a two part question, if you had uh, someone was like, okay, give me three records that you need to leave behind. Everything else gets wiped away. You can leave three records behind that you played on. What are the three that you would leave? That I played on. You know what the next question is going to be? It's going to be what? What are your three island records too?
1: That's a much easier question. I, I mean, there are records I'm really proud of. I guess I would have to say maybe the Willie Nelson record, Uh uh, Teatro. Uh, God, I don't know. I know there. There's a new record I, I I did that hasn't come out yet. It will come out next year that I got to work with Larry Klein and an Argentinian artist, uh, Conde and Paulo, that was definitely out of my wheelhouse. It was a little more jazz-based. Uh, uh-huh. uh, and so I'm right now I've been listening to that album, and I'm really excited by that record. And I don't know, maybe we – God, I don't know. There's a lot of things, but maybe – Maybe the Cafe Tacuba records that I worked on.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, they're just yeah. I, I don't know. That's a hard one because that's a silly
0: question too. Because yeah,
1: I don't know. I don't listen to a lot of things that I've worked on. Every now and then it'll pop up, and I go like, you know, right. mostly at the supermarket. Yeah. Yeah, and the reason and
0: why that, is I know that there's some there's a lot of records that people play on that are saying oh I could deal I could do without that record you know I wish I didn't play this or didn't play that but there's always a couple that stick out in their mind that are like I'm really really proud of what I played on this record or really really happy with what I played on that I'm,
1: I'm sure I'll think of it after we're done talking I'll go oh I should have said that and I'll, I'll forget and, or actually you know what the new I, I
0: overdub it with myself sound yeah
1: the the new Atlantis record there's stuff that I played on there that I'm really happy with uh that just came out nice uh but then okay so god now uh three island records this one's always hard too one would definitely have to be a stevie wonder like and i i kind of go back and forth on which ones maybe talking book or Mm -hmm. songs in the key of life just because it's a longer record (laughs) uh I would say that yeah, this is super hard. Uh, there's a Donnie Hathaway live record that I'm obsessed with right now and I listen to almost every day. And a, heard a song lot of in
0: reference that record.
1: Yeah, there, there's the uh, I Love You More Than You'll Ever Know. That song right now, right? I, I can listen to that song every day. And I think every drummer should listen to that song. It's so slow and so groovy and has so much emotion. And within the first 30 seconds of it, you're just like, ah, like it just, that song, it just kills me, especially the live version. Let it back me home. <laughs> if I ever leave you, you can say I told you so. And if I ever
0: hurt you
1: You know I hurt myself as well Is that any way for a man to carry on? Do you think I want my loved one gone? Said I love you More than you'll ever
0: know. More than you'll ever know. What's the name of the live record? Do you know?
1: Well, there's a couple different versions. What is it? It's like, uh, God, not, it's not live from the Knitting Factory. What is it? Like, uh, I can't, I don't know. Just look up Donnie Hathaway Live. Okay. You'll find it. Uh, and there's a couple versions, and all the versions of him doing that song live are equally amazing. Uh, a third record, God, I don't know. That's uh, I really listen to a lot of old music. It's like it's like Ray Charles or Nat King Cole. Mm-hmm. Maybe it would have to be the genius of Ray Charles.
0: Yeah, I was just listening uh, to that record yesterday, and
1: I, that record kills
0: me. It's it's, it's amazing. It's yeah, absolutely it's,
1: amazing. It, it's amazing how uh, how great it sounds, and from when it was recorded, I think it's like late fifties, like fifty eight or fifty nine, and yeah, it's, it's just like, It
0: sounds like incredible. it could have been recorded last year.
1: Yeah, and all people playing in a room just really like just so beautifully.
0: Yeah. Well. I I support those choices, so. Thank you. (laughs) Not that that you need my approval, but. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So what about um, uh, teaching? And I know that if people want to uh, to reach out and do for session work, they can do that. But do you teach as well?
1: Yeah, I've been doing a lot of Skype things since all this stuff has been going down. But it's funny, and, and I have done lessons in person, but what we end up doing is talking more than
0: playing. Right. That's literally why I started this podcast.
1: Yeah, because it, it really like, you know, generally guys that come to me are already playing or even already working. And it becomes about like the philosophy and how to approach things more than like, you know, maybe here and there, it's like, how do I get this kind of sound? And we talk about stuff like that, but it's really, how do I approach something? Right. You know, and really you could boil it down to like, figure out how to express the emotion of the song whatever that emotion is like be true to that emotion and make sure that whoever wrote that song like you're being true to that feeling that's what it really it all boils down to that
0: there you have it there you have it we're gonna have a, a 37 second interview and it'll just- <laughs> yeah that's
1: all <laughs> you could have done that that's it, yeah <laughs> it's a waste of time <laughs>
0: Well, Victor, uh, one, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. Two, uh, I want to, again, congratulate you on your 20 plus years of recovery. That is an amazing feat, and I think it needs to be acknowledged. Uh, three, thank you for all the amazing music that, you have, that you've put out into this world. Uh, you've, made, you know, you've made a soundtrack for a lot of us. And last but not least, if people want to follow you, keep up with you, see what you have going on, where's the best place that they can do that?
1: Yeah, I guess just on Instagram or Facebook or whatever those things are, just under my name. Okay. I, th- I think I have a website too. The Okay. Okay.com. Yeah, wh- Yeah, I'm easy to find. Good deal. Well, except if I owe you money.
0: Except, yeah, then he falls on the Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, thank you again. It was it was a true honor and a pleasure. I appreciate you coming on, and I'd welcome you back anytime.
1: Thank you. It's an honor to be on and I love what you're doing. Thank Thank you you so much. I appreciate it.
0: There you have it, the one, the only Mr. Victor in Drizzo. You can find the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 586. And again, if you have some ideas on what you think I should do for the 600th episode, let me know. Uh, I can't have a party, so maybe we'll do a Zoom hang or something. Not quite sure. Let me know. Shoot me an email, nick at drummersresource.com. And other than that, That's all I got for you. So until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Rafini, that's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon. And graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.